Welcome back to Oysters, Clams, and Cockles, the best TV and movie podcast in the whole internet. And it's time for us to start acknowledging that. I'm Ross Bolin here with Barrett Dudley, and welcome to the roast of 2008's The Incredible Hulk. Holy crap, what a piece of shit that was. We're actually going to talk about other really good stuff today, too, but Barrett, can I roast the uh, Hulk up top really quick? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 only fitting... You know, it's 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 been a recent trend of ours here in the uh, in the dead zone of of new TV to just to just toss it back to stuff that we're like five years late on. So or it, 13. it only makes sense that we talk about a movie that is 13 years old and one of the throwaways from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So please, please, please begin. I've actually yes. never seen this film. So I've made great progress in my Marvel journey. You yes, okay. you're you are. Um, I watched Captain America. I watched Iron Man, and now I've watched The Incredible Hulk. I'm not going to count Iron Man two, Barrett, because I was I was half half there. Okay, mentally. all right, all right. Um, but and I didn't really mean to watch it. It just started, and I went, "Well, this must be next." People people are saying that like that you know when Megan the Stallion crawled on top of Cardi B, yeah. and at the, when they were on the bed part of the set on the Grammys, and uh-huh. then started twerking like you know like she was riding Cardi B. Yeah, that's sex. what you're doing to the Marvel movies. It is. You're Megan the Stallion. Cardi B is the Marvel movies. I can't stop. You're all up in the WAP of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You can't stop. You won't stop. Get a bucket and a mop. Get a bucket and a mop. Yeah. Exactly. That's where I'm at, dude. <laughs> uh, I can't stop. It's, it's look, WandaVision hooked me, hook, line, and sinker, and Barrett and I have, have now been fully sucked in, and I'm I'm trying to catch up because he's, he's seen more than I have, but this one I'm going to say up front, no one ever needs to watch this movie. I understand why Disney Plus made absolutely zero effort. To get it included in their catalog, uh, it was a collaboration of sorts with another production company. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I have a lot to say, and I'm going to start by retracting my former defense of Edward Norton. <laughs> I apologize. I was wrong. Are Barrett, you're coming Barrett, over to my side? I am. On Ed I, Norton? I've been wrong. Barrett was right this whole time. <laughs> Barrett kind of pointed out, I want to say like years ago, for the first time, like that, that you thought Edward Norton was kind of trash. It was probably sometime last year. I okay. feel like it, it was within it was, the last 18 months, I bet. Okay, cool. That makes me feel a it might better. even It might have been on Patreon, though, when we did like a best actor thing. Oh, you're right. When I we were kind right. of did our actor ranking. You're right. We did our like our 50 best living or something like that. Yeah, yeah we did top five and point. we had, but we gave a lot of honorable mentions and, and talked broadly about about all of them. For our, If you're new to the Patreon, if you just signed up for, for the Sopranos rewatch, we got a l- whole backlog of of awesome other content that's Scroll kind down, of a- evergreen as well. Just look around in there. There's there's good stuff. Um, but yeah, but but Edward Norton, I think, got brought up as like an honorable mention. He's a I very I brought a, him up a well renowned actor. He is not an actor that I I just don't like him. I do not like Edward Norton. I do not enjoy him as a performer. I don't think he's a good actor. Um, <laughs> I think he's an example of one of these guys that kind of knocks a couple of roles out of the park, which which I think a lot of humans probably have in them more than you realize. And then in terms of being an actor, though, and being able to embody a bunch of different characters and really sell being Bruce Banner in this movie, for example, absolutely not. Just absolutely why he got recast. Uh this was just just one of the most poorly written and acted movies I've ever seen. It was laugh out loud funny when it wasn't supposed to be over and over and over and over. I couldn't like his unathleticism, which then made me flash back to like the basketball scene in American History X, and I realized like he did <laughs> terrible there too. He he can't even run, like which is fine. Not all of us are athletes, but fuck's sake, man. 
don't cast this dude in a role where I need to see him pretend to be a superhero. He can't even run like a normal person. He looks ridiculous. It's it's just not. He doesn't sell any of this. There was absolute. It, it felt like you were watching almost a parody movie. Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing, I paid for it twice because it's not on Disney Plus. I had to go to Amazon Prime. It was three ninety nine. You get that forty eight hour window or however long it is once you start it. I got back to it 15 minutes before the window closed after watching the first 20 minutes. And then I was like, oh God, this is awful. I'm going to have to watch it another night. I go back for the second night to finish it. There's only 15 minutes left. So I press play, but I realize, Ross, can't back out at any point now. Don't have access to get back in if I back out. And then I accidentally did it 30 minutes later when I forgot. And then I had to pay $3.99 just to watch the last half hour. And that last half hour was wait, even wait, worse wait. than the rest. You, you, could, you can get your money back on a prime rental? No, no. I did a prime rental. The time was expiring. I, I, I had started oh. the movie already. Oh, oh, you had to pay I extra. go back in, I go back in, <laughs> but I know I cannot back out or I'm going to have to pay again. Oh. And then I back out with only like 20, 30 minutes left and have to pay again. And then the last 20, 30 minutes were just got awful. So I, it, it just one of the worst movie experiences I've ever had. It was generally disgusting. So... Yeah, I, I get the I get the sense that people don't even really like inc- this one is technically a phase one Marvel movie. Technically, it introduces the in phase one as 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 I'm sure you've kind of caught on now. I have introduces all of your main characters, like your big main characters. It's Iron Man, yes. it's Thor, it's Captain America, and then they throw in Hulk as well. That movie was like supposed to be the just like those others, and. It was it was kind it of a flop. It was just it right? doesn't even. It's like a hack attempting to make a good superhero movie. That's and then exactly what it was. Edward Norton had issues with Marvel. They recast him as Mark Ruffalo. And now the wrinkle here is that up until maybe late last year, and and from the research that I've done, uh, it's still the who actually owns the distribution rights to Hulk is still kind of in the ether right now. There's some rumors that Marvel has retained to them. Brave little toaster scenario but, here. But Universal owned the distribution rights. So even when the character the character reverted back to Marvel and they were able to include Mark Ruffalo's Hulk in like the it as, you know, in their movies. Right. They didn't have the right to like to to the distribution of the film and I'm not sure that they could make a standalone Hulk movie. So it's one of these it's one of it's one of these it's kooky Hollywood things issue. that we've talked about even with like the streaming services, right? Yeah. Where it's just like a lot of these different companies and production studios and entities like get into bed together and then it's like very it's very you know, it's very it's very hairy situation as to to who kind of owns which piece of what. Um and as such, Mark Ruffalo has never gotten a standalone Hulk movie. Which is a bummer because this is was that a- something that is to come? I don't know. Mark Ruffalo probably arguably the top-notch actor involved in the MCU. They desperately need to get him in there right? for his own Hulk movie to, to, to just reset this whole thing with the Hulk because this, is, this was trash. Uh, you basically, the only thing you need to know about this movie at all, and I'm dead ass serious. First of all, all the juice, all the juicy stuff that you would want from the Hulk story is in the opening credits, okay. which you have to watch as they quickly flash through all the ways the Hulk became the Hulk. That's the actual good story that you would want to watch in a movie that I hope they one day do with Mark Ruffalo. From there, they essentially take you on a shitty story ride where the military, uh, which it turns out is just S.H.I.E.L.D., is trying to rein in this man, Bruce Banner, who, when he gets angry and his blood pressure goes above a certain point, 
becomes a giant green idiot. I don't know why the Hulk is a moron. Bruce Banner is a scientist. It doesn't make sense to me. I would like an explanation there. I'm sure it was in the opening <laughs> credits that, that, for whatever reason, they just felt like washing over. Um, but there's a two-minute scene at the end. You know how They couldn't even get this right. You know how the Marvel movies, you watch the whole movie, then you sit there and the credits are rolling and, 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 the, and the emotions washing over you and you're like, man, that was, that was something. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. then when the credits end, a few minutes later, there's another scene. In most of the Marvel movies, sometimes there's two scenes. Uh, it turns out, actually, that was just WandaVision. One of them, there was like a double ending scene thing for the finale, I think. That's um, neither here nor there. They didn't even do that correctly. The credits don't roll before the bonus scene. Okay. The movie ends, and, and then, then the just... bonus scene just plays like it's Lord <laughs> of the fucking Rings. Yeah. And that's the only thing you need to see, and it's essentially that Iron Man shows up and tells this general who's drunk and also Liv Tyler's dad, okay. who is the Hulk's girlfriend. Man, it's dramatic. The conflict when you find out that the general is the Hulk's girlfriend's dad, mm-hmm. Barrett. In laws, am I right? Wow. Relationship <laughs> problems that everyone can relate with. Um, he, uh, basically, Tony Stark rolls in and he's like, hey, drunk general, what if I told you I was putting together a team? And he's like, who's... We, and then the movie ends. Basically, they're like, the Avengers are happening, everyone. Yes, yes, yes. That was important in 2008. Remind me, you watched Iron Man. What is the stinger at the end of Iron Man? Is it Samuel L. Jackson showing up? Yes. Yeah, okay. That's what I I thought. Yeah, he he becomes, uh, and I don't think it's in one. I think it's in two that Samuel L. Jackson shows up. Well, they put a stinger in Iron Man. What is it then? He goes and does a presser and says, oh, you're talking about the after? I'm talking post-credits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah... Now I can't remember because I don't think the stinger is actually when he goes up and does the presser. No, no, says, that's the oh no, that's J.K. The, I am Iron that's Man. That's the last scene of the movie. Okay, so yeah, I'm Which, not sure what the, way, the stinger was. Out of all these, that still might be the best scene in any Marvel movie ever. It was a. It was a love the Burger King product placement. He just guy just wants himself a cheeseburger. Got to be. Got to be from Burger King, and it also has to be while riding in his Audi R8. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then he sits down with the press to eat it and make yeah, this casual yeah. announcement that he's in fact I am Iron Man. Yeah, that was a yeah. that 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 was because it's the anti-Batman. Yeah, where the only person who ever says I am Batman is Harvey Dent, <laughs> <laughs> right before um, he's arrested, later on taken to a hospital and doesn't recognize the Joker because he's wearing, ironically, now in 2021, a mask. Remember that Joker removes his only covering his mouth mask, and Harvey Dent in bed goes, "Oh, like he." Like he just now is realizing who it is. That's one of the worst scenes. Wait, in which ever. in which film? Dark Knight. What happens? Harvey Dent. Yeah, has his half of him has been exploded. Yes, yes. He's in bed. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Joker shows up dressed as a female nurse. Yes. He looks exactly like the Joker, except he has on oh a mask, a, but a mask. only a a mouth mask like we all wear because of COVID. Right. Yeah. Then at some point, when he's sitting on the bed like next to Harvey, <laughs> he removes the mask, and Harvey goes, oh. <laughs> Like he's fucking shocked that he's talking to the Joker, which is the stupidest thing that that never really... It, it ends up not mattering at all, but it's just such a bad scene. Um, this whole movie was like that, though. Every minute of it. Every single minute of Iron Man. I'm sorry, The Incredible Hulk. Iron Man was dope. Okay, and I'm, I'm, I'm reading here just to confirm. Mm-hmm. Yes, the post credit scene in Iron Man is Samuel L. Jackson turning around to reveal himself as none other than Nick Fury from the S.H.I.E.L.D. agency. Fury tells Stark that he wants to discuss... The Avengers Initiative. Mm. 
Yeah. You're going to discuss it. Um, I wanted to just quickly throw out here as we're, as we're talking about like the, the kind of the weird movie things that exist with the MCU. The other ones that you will not find on Disney Plus that you have to go rent are the Spider-Man films. And that is because those are Sony. Sony actually owns the rights to Spider-Man. And uh, and and Marvel has a deal with that with them to include Spider-Man in the Avengers films. I don't think Spider-Man should be allowed in. But Spider-Man, yeah, you were you were surprised when we were texting about this. Yeah, Spider-Man does some avenging himself. I can't believe he's avenging. He's avenging. He's part of the Avengers Initiative, as as Nick Fury would would have you know. His uncle was murdered. I guess vengeance does need to be enacted. But I, I, I frankly thought we walked away from Spider-Man once Tobey Maguire turned that entire franchise into a joke of an emo meme. No, then we gave it to Andrew Garfield, and then we said, no, those weren't good either, and then we gave it to Tom Holland, and then we say, yes, we like these. Okay, got yeah. it. So <laughs> we found Spider-Man, it just took a minute. It just took a minute. And now he can be and in the now Avengers. now he can be in the Avengers movies, but all, but. but all his standalone films are through Sony, and I don't know where those movies stream. I think you have to rent them. There are just so many Avengers avenging. A lot of Avengers. Uh, one other thing I wanted to throw out here as uh, for our Marvel convo today. Uh-huh. Have you noticed that almost every single one of these comic books and these characters were all, all of them created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby? Yeah. I just want to throw shouts to Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, who seemingly had an endless imagination <laughs> yeah. for these characters. It's why Stan Lee is like, revered the way he is. They created so many different characters, all of whom seem to have translated fairly well to, to screen and, and uh, cinema. Even a lot of the dumbass sounding ones that you're like, who? They end up having dope stories. Yes. WandaVision is not some shit I expected to be good. Really? I mean, only because of the premise. I was like, interested in it. Not story-wise and in terms of the way Wanda and Vision's relationship and all the depth to that, everything about that, I didn't expect any of that. It's what sucked me into this. I also have obviously figured out at this point they plug Stan Lee into every single every one single of these film, fucking yes. things, yeah. even after he died. They CGI'd him in. Is that right? Yeah, it was really controversial. Huh. To uh, to which one, Captain Marvel or something? Whichever one right after he died. Okay, not yeah, sure which. The one that came out right after. Do you expect them to keep doing that? Do you, can we expect more holographic hologram hologram kind of think they've already cgi once you've done it you got to keep going <laughs> you know Pac is still out there performing that's Pac. true that's true yeah do you know why the hulk is a moron though that's a serious question well he's only a moron when he becomes the hulk right yeah because well, of whatever the you know he takes over he's formula. just uh he's just a brute he's a real brute he's an ogre. brute yeah okay got it Fucking that movie, bro. Okay, you can I tell you a also, part of it that was idiotic? Also, that is, as you go on and continue watching these films and you get into the Avengers films, which feature Hulk uh-huh. uh, far, far more prominently, that's like one of the issues with the Hulk. Is that he's not smart. Is that when he becomes Hulk, he is un- uncontainable, right. basically. One of the like things he's, that, he won't listen to anybody. Yeah, so he in wants this to movie, do his own thing. They try to you present know, you with that. Hulk smash. Yeah, they try to present right. you with, you know, the whole movie is basically, he's like, I've got this, I'm the Hulk because we fucked up this experiment, which you didn't get to see because it was in the opening credits. And I, w- I need to fix this. I need an antidote. So Barrett, here's what the Hulk does, okay? He goes and gets the antidote, okay? After he gets the antidote, though, it turns out this other dude who's been working with S.H.I.E.L.D. but turns bad, he goes, he gets to become a Hulk, but an even bigger, badder, more fucking crazy Hulk that looks like one of the bad guys from... uh Gears of War, the video game I used to play. And <laughs> and so what you have is a situation where Bruce Banner goes, 
I'm the only one who can stop this because that other really bad Hulk, he's down there like wrecking shit. He's throwing cards. Right, he's murdering right. people left and right. But he's just spent the whole movie getting the antidote. And so you're like, wait, what? And then Liv Tyler goes, Bruce, you don't even know if, if Hulk is still there to work. And he goes, it's cool. Fly the plane down. I'm going to fight this guy. I'm going to Hulk. I'm gonna, I can still Hulk. It's fine. I got an <laughs> antidote, but nobody cares about the last 45 minutes. It's time for the battle scene. And then he gets, Barrett, Barrett, this is the best part. So, so the guy starts to take the plane down and he goes, no, no, stop. And then Liv, and he, and he's like, open the back door and the back door drops open and he walks over to it and Liv Tyler walks over to it. And she's like, Bruce, what are you doing? And he's like, I have to do this. And then he just face plants. He tommons off the back of the plane. Okay. And so as he's falling, Uh you can see he's trying to Hulk. And they zoom in on his face, and then he goes, oh, shit, because he couldn't Hulk. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, he just spent the last hour getting the antidote. (laughs) And then he crashes through the concrete street. As as Bruce Banner. Human form. And and then he he shoots his hand out like Shredder and fucking Ninja Turtles, and it's green. And you're like, oh, he hulked. He hulked right at the very last And then you're like, well, fuck it. Who cares why the antidote didn't work? (laughs) And then he fights this guy and kills him, and that's the whole movie. That's the whole movie. That's the tweet. It was bonkers. That's it. That's the tweet. I have nothing else to say about The Incredible Hulk. It's been an upsetting ride. (laughs) I look forward to the next Marvel movie. Well, you've got Iron Man 2 featuring a stunning performance from one Mickey Rourke. Saw this in theaters. Totally forgot. Yeah. Looking forward to it. (laughs) I like how Mickey Rourke, Uh, uh, when he was in the the, uh, wardrobe, they were like, oh yeah, you look terrifying. And he was like, what about if I got pants that like almost showed my dick though? (laughs) Like, what if we went sexy with it? And they were like, Mickey, we don't, we don't think that's... And he was like, I'm going to take those almost show my dick pants now, please. <laughs> he was like, clean off the wrestler at that point, I think. He still and wanted he to show like, off yeah, the trend. Give me the... Let me, let me let this body shine. Look, I'm a Kazakhstanian terrorist who would never, ever, ever wear pants <laughs> that almost showed his dick, but fuck it. I need to be a little sexy. I'm Mickey Rourke. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Dope character, though. Yes. Um, super sweet fucking swingy yeah the swingy arm things yeah yeah. (laughs) whatever he's got going there uh looking forward to watching that again i have nothing else to say about marvel do you uh do you want to move on we can move on yes let's do that then this episode of occ is brought to you by lucy lucy nicotine is a company founded by caltech students and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative finally tobacco alternatives that don't suck For a lot of you, you already know this, but I quit tobacco finally after 16 years in 2020. And Lucy Nicotine was a big part of the reason I was able to finally switch away from tobacco and get some uh, cleaner nicotine alternatives in my life. They researched and developed their product for three years to be made for people, not patients, and created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three great flavors. They're all delicious. Winter, green, cinnamon, and pomegranate. I'm a winter green and cinnamon guy mostly, but the pomegranate is tasty too. Lucy also has a lozenge. If you're a lozenge fan with four, milligram, four milligrams excuse me, of nicotine and cherry ice flavor that's great, all the flavors are great. They're convenient, discreet, can be enjoyed anywhere on a flight, even at the gym. It's good stuff. Lucy Nicotine. It's 2021. Get rid of your cigarettes. Unplug the vape. Throw out the dip. Get some Lucy gum or nicotine lozenges. Lucy. It's the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's simple. You don't even have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down. Just go... To lucy.co, use the code OCC at checkout, and you'll get 20% off. Start this year by making a better you with Lucy. Use code OCC at checkout. Warning, this product contains nicotine derived by tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. 
Moving on, Mr. Dudley. Yes. Um, you have many things you wish to discuss I, I, today. I do. I've got several things on my list here. Let's start with probably the most relevant to the podcast. Um, the Oscar nominations were just released oh. one day after the Grammys. And uh, they are both worth mentioning because uh, I think that, that everybody is, is, is kind of in agreement that, that they, uh, they span a broad spectrum. Um, broader than we, usual. Broader than usual. We As have a lots of, of pandemic. We have lots of people of color uh, nominated for uh, for for acting role for acting roles. We have two women nominated for uh, directing, and um, yeah, it's in and it's just got we've 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 got black stories nominated for best picture. Judas and the Black Messiah and the Black Messiah. Uh, and the trial of the Chicago Seven. Chadwick's nominated for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom yeah, for so actor we, in so, a leading role. So, so all of that is really positive. Um, now, on the uh, the not really the other side of the coin. That's that's the wrong terminology here. But just on another note, these movies are not really what we're used used to because from the Oscars because of this we're weird used to because of drop. this weird year because all the really like big bombastic stuff basically got pulled. Uh, and not released. So this is a year for some of these. Pretty much everything on this list is a more is a smaller, artsy, m- more indie film, and as such, a lot of them are watchable f- uh, through your streaming services. Which means we have access to them. So Man can trial Man can trial the Chicago Seven are available uh, through your next Netflix subscription. Right. Nomadland is on Hulu. Sound of Metal is on Amazon. Judas and the Black Messiah was available for a whole month on HBO Max. Um, the only ones I know promising young woman you have to rent because I have hovered on the $20 rental thing like four different times now and have, have yet to pull trig, but I think the 20 gets you the purchase. I, I will eventually. No, no, no. It's a $20 rental. Oh fuck. That's insane. Okay. Don't you remember when we paid $20 to rent King of Staten Island? Yeah. I forgot they're doing this with the ones that are in theaters. Right. Okay. Or supposed to be in theaters. Uh, and then I'm not, I know Minari is an A24 film, so possible that that's streaming on hulu but i think you have to go to th- i think you have to go to theaters or rent that one as well they got to chill with the 20 bucks bro do they know how much content's available for free on the internet for these kids yeah but at the same time it, it is it, i think they're also banking on everybody kind of eventually realizing that a night out at the movies is way more expensive than that especially honestly I, I, people keep reminding me of this but like you know, we think like thirteen fifty to go to the draft house is expensive. Uh-huh. If you're in New York, it's like twenty two dollars to go see a film. Look, man, as an AMC stockholder, I'm gonna have to disagree with you. Um, I think the movie theater is the perfect experience, and that frankly, we should be grateful when it's under two hundred dollars. <laughs> this is not financial advice. I'm just saying. They should double the price of everything at the theater. Well, just a quick aside here, and one that I wanted to, to throw in though, among this in, in this Oscars conversation, uh, there was a, a, a headline from the Hollywood Reporter Hollywood Reporter today, a little column: moviegoers erupt with applause as LA theaters reopen. "Quote: It's absolutely invigorating." So hold on to that AMC stock, brother. Hey, you know I've got diamond. To, we're, all, we're on we're on the way to the moon as we speak. <sighs> Uh, uh, and, and in fact, here's the here's the here's the subline. The Ooh. Hollywood Reporter surveyed the scene on Monday at the busy, busy keyword here. It was busy, people. AMC Century City 15 to find consumers relieved, elated, and excited oh, about wow. once again experiencing films on the big screen. Another quote: "I'm all for it, baby." I added the baby. This <laughs> this explains the 30 percent jump in stock price yesterday, which has today backfired. 
I noticed Tenet. <laughs> <laughs> Tenet, the movie that we, uh, one of the movies that you and I paid paid to see. Yeah. Um, last year, it was nominated for visual effects. Yes. And for production design, which that makes sense. Yeah, that's about what they should have got. I think. Yeah, our our buddy in the group text the other day was was talking about how Interstellar was like maybe a tad too harebrained and confusing at the end. I mean, and, yeah, but it, and I really wanted. I I don't know. I think I got lost. I was doing something. I didn't respond in time. But it made me wonder if he had seen Tenet because oh. Tenet makes Interstellar look like it looked like a children's picture book. Yes, as far By as com- as far as complexity, very easy to understand. Very easy comparison. to understand. Yes, I'm still not sure what happened in Tenet. I just know that I enjoyed uh, the guy from the vampire movies, his performance. What's his name? Robert Pattinson. Oh, Robert. Oh, Twilight. I didn't know what you were talking about. I was like, mm. say what? Get on my um, back, Spider Monkey. I've seen those movies. So I'm hip. I'm cool. Sound of Metal. I'll, I just wanted to. Uh, Sound of Metal. I'm, I'm hearing really good things about that. Oh yeah. So I haven't heard of any of these fucking movies. That's the other crazy thing. Well, that's yeah. So they're all they're they're like yeah. You there there's a, usually in this best picture list there's like a few big ones thrown in. Tenet would have been on here if Tenet had been good, but it wasn't that good. It wasn't what that, what yeah, the was... hell is Mank? I keep hearing it, and I gotta say, Mank as so, a word that sticks with you. Mank is the one that was directed by David Fincher. It's on Netflix. It's in black and white. It is about the creation of the movie Citizen Kane. Oh, yeah. So it <laughs> is, it, it, just to, to, to elaborate further, the other conversation happening right now is mm-hmm. that we're not totally sure that any of these movies are like excellent, excellent movies. They're all... They're they're all just the like best that was available. The good, they're all in the good category, and I think they all most of them have something interesting to say, like such you know Nomadland, Minari, uh, or have like a, you know, Judas and the Black Messiah as a as a biopic about a really really interesting figure that is worth you know diving into and and telling the story about. Um, but but I don't know if any of them are as like complete films as is kind of what we expect from our oscar winners and look what you know you heard what so, i said about my review of ma rainey's black bottom right essentially like this was a really kind of that what you just said was a very poignant way of putting it it, it didn't feel like a complete film yeah it had elements that you were like oh shit like chadwick's performance and that speech that i pointed out which is a you know now he's being recognized posthumously is that the way you pronounce yep. that? Uh-huh. Oh my Post- God, I or did. Posthumously or posthumously? Either one it plays, I hope. I think. I th- posthumously, I think, is pro- pro- correct it. pronunciation. Okay, next time I got this. Um, but but other than that, it was sort it's of... okay. This- I was saying biopic for a for a long time. We've said a lot of things <laughs> on this show over the years, Barrett. Uh, I, also, for the record, I still prefer biopic. I think it sounds far more classy. Than, far classier. Than biopic. Yeah, I like your way. Biopic. <laughs> So I'm saying it forever. It's a biopic. It's like a surgery that you get, but it's a character study about somebody that was real. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, w- uh, Minari, Minari is 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 uh, features. Um, Stephen Stephen Yen is, Stephen Yen is, is yes. the one nominated yeah, for best nominated, actor, yes, in a leading role. Um, but like the trial of the Chicago Seven, Sasha Baron Cohen has been nominated for supporting role. I didn't know he was in that movie. So there's just like one night in Miami. I don't know what that is. Uh, Minari focuses on a Korean family, by the way, and they they moved they, who, that moves to Arkansas. 
in search of the American dream. Nomadland is about. Okay, uh, that sounds fucking awesome. Nope. I need to watch that. We need. We do. We should. I, Minari is is definitely one on this list that I want to see. Uh, Nomadland is about um, like temporary workers. It dives into the whole like seasonal seasonal nomadic nomadic workers that like Amazon employs a bunch of, and it's this whole like. It's a slice of life that exists in America that nobody pays attention to or ever talks about and right. like kind of is wrapped up in- Also in, sounds in dope. Late stage capitalism and is, you know, has its own set of problems. Um, so, but but again, just to, to go back to the point about these being complete films, I've there's mixed reviews for pretty much all of them. Right. Mank is by all, like, I'm sure it is beautifully directed. It's David Fincher, but it's one of these ones. It's like, would anybody care? Would this movie be nominated if it wasn't about- film because hollywood and the academy especially loves this shit yeah anything that's about the old-timey glory days right quentin tarantino quentin tarantino uh, which great film that one was worth it deserved it but mank is about what is arguably considered what for a lot of like cinephiles is considered the greatest movie of all time and so of course it's like they're all about this one basically tarantino Um, one of the former biggest woody allen apologists who has since redacted his support of Woody Allen yeah. and apologized for his statements on the Howard Stern show in which he actually said at one point that Roman Polanski's 13-year-old uh, rape accuser yes. was a consensual experience in his opinion, which didn't age well. No. And no. Uh, he has apologized for that too. <laughs> Quentin is a, is a controversial figure. Yeah which Hollywood has also had its issues with. And we'll talk a little bit about Allen versus Pharaoh before we're, we're done today, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, th- that's really, I just wanted to, to, to throw out a, a few notes on on these um, these nominations. The Five Bloods got an, a nod for music. Okay. Yeah, but no, no, not, nothing else. Well, it wasn't very good. <laughs> it wasn't. There, see, again, there was, I agree with you. I, it, it was that okay. Was, that was not an Oscar-worthy no. film to me. No. Um, but Absolutely people, not. But people... Are, are upset that it, it wasn't nominated eh. or specifically upset that Delroy Lindo was not nominated. That's fair. But I actually enjoy, I thought Chadwick was the star performance. I thought he again. was the best one out of all of them and that some of them were just fucking silly. Yeah. So, the hell was going on there? It was I, almost like Tropic Thunder at some points. Like, let's get real. Uh, Hillbilly Elegy, Glenn you, Close. You watched that, right? I did and Glenn Close caught the actress in a supporting role nomination for it. It is also uh, in makeup and hairstyling. Another one that when it came out, remember, very controversial. People thought it misrepresented, uh, like like uh, lower class Americans, yep, and yep. and it 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 was a poor, because essentially the message of the movie was pull yourself up by you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and people were saying like no, that's not the case. Well, I don't. In my opinion, the movie wasn't saying that's always the case or that mm-hmm. this is always possible. It is just the story of one person who happened to get out of a really shitty situation. Also, some incredible acting. Uh, from Glenn Close and some and Amy Adams and some good stuff scattered throughout. Just all around, I thought that was pretty solid. It was one of the better things I watched out of this list of like wishy-washy, sort of good, sort of bad stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. So I need to hit a bunch of this other shit though. That's Minari, Mank. Uh, I want to watch Sound of Metal. Yeah, that that that's probably sa- the one I'm most interested in. Same, frankly. same. Um, but I still need to see Trial of Chicago Seven as well. There's a whole bunch of stuff. It's kind of actually nice. One of my favorite things about award season it gives, it gives you a list gives you a list of the things you should probably hit <clears throat> because while they don't always make the right choice for the winner they usually have everybody that needs to be recognized in some way shape or form yeah yeah some somewhere on the list i think i think that's that's typically accurate um 
Right. And even if you like we're kind of going down into the into the the grain, the grittier, grainier, more granular is the word I'm looking for there. Uh, more technical uh, categories, mm-hmm. categories. But yeah. that's where you'll find stuff like Tenet into Five Bloods, movies that are, were worth watching in 2020, but not necessarily worthy of the Best Picture nomination. So, you, yeah, you you can find kind of everything that was worth your time here, here uh, somewhere on the list. Uh, with that being said, this past Saturday... I was able to to catch Judas and the Black Messiah on HBO Max before it disappeared. And so I I did want to talk a little bit more specifically about that movie. I know it's one that you watched a few weeks ago and that we wanted to touch on. Um, And I'll just start right up top. This is, it's required viewing, man. It really is. And it's it's just a gut punch. And every time I you know, learn more about one of these stories or watch 13th, the Ava DuVernay documentary on Netflix or watch or watch Judas and the Black Messiah. You just, there's a sinking pit of a feeling in your stomach because these stories don't get told often enough or when you're young or, or, or at an early enough age. Oh, we, we didn't even get told about Fred Hampton though. So we, you, you, we get told about Malcolm and, X and, and, and Martin Luther King. They are such essential pieces to the understanding yeah. the relationship between law enforcement and the government and black people that live in America. Yes. Like, it's the piece of it that white people in America, for the most part, are missing. Is that you, if you don't have an understanding for this history, and I mean, Barrett, you could tie it to a much bigger narrative, and I will. Fred Hampton died at what, 21? 21. He was murdered um, by our government. Yes. <laughs> if you apply that across the board... To people who are obviously, uh, I don't even think it would be considered a conspiracy theorist anymore to say that Martin Luther King was probably assassinated by the American government. Um, at this point, when you start to look at all of the young black leaders, and is there evidence for that? There's a lot of evidence that that both MLK and Martin Luther King and most of the civil MLK rights and Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. I'm sorry, Malcolm X <laughs> and Martin Luther King. Excuse me. Uh, that there was a level of government involvement in the in Look, they didn't want these guys around doing what they were doing. They didn't want a black messiah, as is stated in Judas and the Black Messiah. They saw that as problematic for their system that they had set up. It obviously was problematic for their system that they had set up that was only supposed to benefit white people. And um, But if you look across the board and you start seeing like, I mean, even like Tupac and Biggie, like there are so many areas of black history in America, some of which in the case of Fred Hampton, where it's point blank, a lot of it where it's, there's not really clear evidence one way or the other, but if you start to put the pieces together, it's like, oh, the establishment in this country did not want young black men to give a voice to other young black men. They wanted those voices to be silenced yeah, any, because they saw any them as problematic. prolific leader that made waves for going against the status quo. Was a problem. Was a problem. And at that point, pre-social media, pre-24-hour news cycle, pre-internet, they didn't they didn't have that much trouble removing people. No. Without without anybody finding out what really happened. And and on sadly it's taken till 2021 for me to even f- really hear the story of Fred Hampton and and what happened. Um yeah. to one of the most promising young black leaders in our country at the time. And you're right, it was heartbreaking. It's it is a gut punch. Like this is ex- at least example 20 of this that I've come across in the past two years where I'm like, no, it's either they didn't teach us it at all 
or they taught us a version of it that is horseshit that made it look like, oh, this was what was best for the country, and look, this is just the way it unfolded. But like, frankly, no, that's not what happened. Well, just consider, just consider this. In 2011, the biggest movie star in the world played the role in a, you know, big budget biopic of J. Edgar Hoover. Yep. Like, th- th- this is now one of the, he, he has one of the most, like, um, what's the right way to put this? His his legacy, it's not so pretty. Well, yeah, it turns out we don't have that many presidents that, that, that do have a pretty legacy. But well, his is really he, fucked up. He was not a president. He was the director of I'm the sorry, FBI. director of the FBI. FBI. Um, and just in general, the FBI. It turns out, like as more has and more has come out about J. Edgar Hoover, morally he constant, sound. he constantly overstepped boundaries. He constantly, like, played foul or or, or played dirty. He did a and, lot of racist shit. And he was also an awful racist that was at the at the helm for the assassination of Fred Hampton. Like It's not a good look. He's not a good look. But 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 that's just ten years ago we were letting Leo play this guy in a in a biopic that was Nobody nominated for like Right. Yeah. No, that's what's crazy about it. You know what I mean? Like Is it it's well, but here's the thing. For you and I, and and most of the white people we know when he played J. Edgar Hoover and it got all that attention and shit, we didn't hear anything about this. But if you're black in America, you probably know about Fred Hampton because he's a legendary figure in black America. Yeah. White people just don't know about Fred Hampton. (laughs) Right. So there were probably a lot of black people looking at that movie going, what the fuck? Just not us. Because we didn't have a clue. Which is part of the thing like we're starting to close the gap on, thankfully. Yeah. In some form for some of us, there was just a total lack of education here. Like a total lack of black American history has been mistaught in this country on purpose. That's that's point blank what it looks like at this point. It should come as no surprise that um, the the J. Edgar movie from 2011 was directed, produced and scored by Clint Eastwood. <laughs> yeah, Clint loves him some old fashioned old fashioned America. Yeah, he, he really... Really enjoys that. I'm still trying to wrap my head around how he got away with a movie that was just him spouting racist Asian rhetoric for like two hours nonstop. Yeah. And that movie was nominated for a bunch of Oscars. And it was received well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just a weird country, man. Like, and Hollywood has played a very strange role in this whole narrative in America. That's the piece of this that's, that's fascinating to me in regard to our podcast here. We talk about TV and movies. TV and movies have played a big part in this, and now they're playing a big part in undoing the damage and, and starting to right some of these wrongs in terms of historically telling these stories correctly um, or at least making a fucking half of an effort. Yeah. Um, and in the case of Judas and the Black Messiah, <clears throat> it, it's a great movie that is enthralling and historically important. And yeah. if you didn't know about what happened to Fred Hampton, really, really fucked up. Yes. And, and, and I mean, just to, 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 to heap a little bit more praise on the film, amazing score, really, really incredibly scored. I love the music. It really like kept the rhythm of the, of, of the movie, like, you know, on pace, uh, Daniel Kaluuya, obviously very, very well deserving of, um, of the Oscar nomination. I think Lakeith Stanfield is also, I think, are they both nominated for best supporting actor? I, I think they are. I think they are. 
Spanfield uh, is also nominated yeah. for actor in a supporting role. Um, yeah, both of them. Yes, and I, it, both of them are, are are complex characters in the film. Oh yeah, right. And I, I saw like a, a couple of takes on the film that thought it was an interesting choice to tell the story through the lens of the informant of Bill O'Neill of Bill O'Neill rather than kind of focus on Fred Hampton or focus on why the government was so you know like 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 twitchy it, about I, him i thought it shone through pretty well though uh so but but i thought that it was that's a good that, question though but but storytelling wise that's how that that it was a nice angle to 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 get both sides to see bill o'neill with the with the feds to see him living in and and buying into the culture of the black panthers right right uh let's talk about jesse plemons real quick can we because I'm worried for you, Jesse. You're you're treading into Edward Norton territory, where I where I I, I hate you, I, and and I will never be able to not hate you. Why? One of my well, one of my big things with Edward Norton is that I can't get past his character in, in uh, Rounders. Okay, right. One just one of the most all time hateable characters in film history. Fair for, for me. Fair. I would say that's an example of one that he comes off as a very good actor, mm-hmm. and I think it might just get because he's kind of like that, like. I don't. I don't know how much he was. I don't know if he was acting a whole lot. Like yeah, he might just yeah. kind of suck. So Jesse Plemons, my man, he's basically on a string of roles, where of 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 Joffrey role style roles, basically, where he's very hateable, where he is extremely hateable, and he has, obviously he gets cast in these roles because he has one of the most hateable faces of all time. Yes, he looks like one of those cats with the flat faces and the you know. Yeah, it's but, something those, about him, right? When he's doing bad shit. His little smashed face. His little smirk. Yeah, and his little smirk. I'm a prick. You can't do shit about it. You just want to punch him in the face. And it's been ever since Breaking Bad. And I can't look at him differently even since then. Right. And and I'm sure that Jesse Plemons is a terrific guy. Great actor. Nice guy. And he is clearly a great actor. Dangerous territory. But one time, Jesse, let me get get you doing something good on, on screen. So that I can keep supporting you as a as a great character actor, yeah, and and not put you into to Edward Norton territory where I just can't get past like your hateable roles. Might I recommend a lovely little <laughs> film called "I'm Thinking About Ending Things," <laughs> which is which is where Jesse Plemons spends a considerable a uh, considerable amount of time in a car mm-hmm. with his miserable girlfriend, <laughs> and they hate each other, and that's the film. Don't watch it, Barrett. Uh, it's I'm not, not going. It's not, gonna, it's not gonna get you where you're trying to go. Uh, and then l- last thing I was just going to say that this is uh, w- again, like I said, it was, it's a great film, but I, I will, this is our, our TV and film podcast. So I will throw a few critiques at it. Can you guess what my one critique is or, or, or one of my critiques is? No, it's a little slow in parts and therefore too long. <laughs> oh, that that's doesn't come as shocking. Yeah, um, I think this is. I'm one a broken where, record over here on this. Well, but yeah, there, but there were there were there were pieces of the film where I like started kind of like tapping my fingers a little bit, and I got that they were trying to put in. They were trying to. It's almost like they were trying to let pieces of this breathe. Yeah, and they felt like they needed to have more depth to it. Or, but I'm with you. I mean, you kind of you could have shaved 20 minutes out, 30 minutes out of this thing, and you would have been probably in an even better spot i just want i want there to be a movement in film where people like get to the point where they've edited their film down and they're like this is it and then there's just like this directive to be like well let's take 10 more minutes out yeah but what if let's just just let's just tighten it up a little bit more and i know that this is 
where our attention spans are shrinking and we're TV is 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 usurping the medium, right? Yes, like we're why I think we're they need so to used to hour long drama. Like the, the what we enjoy, we're used to our forty or fifty minute dramas, but we really really like this like thirty five minute stuff, like Atlanta and Barry and Fleabag, and and you know Mandalorian and whatever else is like WandaVision's like packed into these little. It's good. It's good shit. It's right there in the 30, 40 minute range. That's even better. So it's just like, it's, it's, you know, I know I'm not alone in being like, okay, enough with the two and a half hour movies, enough with two hour, 45, 45 minute movies. Like you should really shoot for under two hours. I feel like an hour and a half, like, dude, you, cause here's the thing you hit on that I really is my main concern is like, I want people to watch movies. I love movies. I want other people to love movies. The more people that watch movies, the more people that can listen to our show where we talk about movies. Yeah. If they keep pumping out three hour, two and a half hour, two hour, even over two hour movies and expecting these kids who are glued to their fucking phones to stop and watch them, there will inevitably be no more Hollywood left. (laughs) Like they will get removed and replaced by the Hollywood of the internet, which is not a solo place in Los Angeles, California. There, there, there's this great in, uh, in big, Ma- the most recent season of big mouth, there's this great exchange between the two main characters, the Andrew and Nick, uh, and you know, Andrew's the kind of nerdy one that's into fedoras and film. Right. And right. so he like, he, he comes down in character for Halloween party dressed as, I can't remember what, but it's some character from an obscure film. Right. Okay. And he's like, and Nick has no idea who he is. And he's like, what, you've never you've never seen this? And the Nick's character's response is like, no, man. He's like, I don't watch movies. I watch reaction videos for five minutes at a time on YouTube on my phone. Yeah. And it's this little, I'm paraphrasing there, but it's really funny the way they phrase it. And it's it, it hits the nail on the head. Like, it, 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 it blows my mind that people don't have TVs in their, like in their house. That they're watching all the streaming stuff on their computers. That's what I can't, I can't wrap my head do. around that. It took me months months when the first time somebody told me like all these kids they watch all everything on their on their laptop or their phone i was like but for why <laughs> yeah why would you not buy a monstrosity of a television and make it take up half the wall in your living room i don't understand this strategy at all so yeah you have you do have to kind of like if you want them to grow grow and adapt from that into like being fans of film you're gonna need to take some we, steps we, their direction we, we got to come their direction a little bit as yeah. well right uh and 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 i'm you know I'm, I'm partially guilty of it as well but all in all, uh, definitely, I mean... It's Gen Z and then there's... And Barrett. We need to appease yeah, these people. Yeah, got to appease them. Yeah, yeah. If you've not seen it, go watch it. If you don't know the story about Fred Hampton, go watch it. Go read about him. Um, Why do you have to? You have to. <laughs> no, nobody teaches this shit. And, it, and, and, and you know, just just like all the, 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 the big kind of historical people from, from history, like... It's not all black and white, right? Like you don't you don't have to agree with Marxist Marxist socialism to understand the impact that Fred Hampton was making. You don't you 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 don't have to like agree with with everything that he said about the pigs and and the rhetoric that he used to understand that he was uniting people on all fronts and that that's what the government thought was dangerous. Yeah. He was meeting with that he, the KKK. That he was out here uniting people under a different color of under a different banner and giving them something to like to live for and and because it was more about the removal of like the and to, man and to help change. Yes. Than it was, you know, d- I mean, that was the whole thing. They show that meeting him going in meeting with the most racist group in America for a reason. Like he was willing 
to step across the line. Is what was that a KKK KKK meeting? I'm pretty sure. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure. There were no white hoods. Well, they don't wear the hoods when they're in the meeting with just them. They only wear the hoods when they go set stuff on fire so that nobody (laughs) knows who they are. Huh. Let me make sure, though. It was a racist organization. I remember that. It was all white dudes. It was all white dudes. I'm they, pretty sure they, they start calling them out. They just called them like the rednecks. No, nah, it was the clan. Was it really? Yeah, it was the clan. I'm pretty positive. Well, that's even more interesting then. Oh, here's a here's a here's a headline on the Atlantic: the unsettling message of Judas and the Black Messiah. Don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I, oh, it's I, a sharp criticism of the FBI's surveillance of social movements, past and present. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, it, good, the movie is unsettling. Good description, uh, Ross. I wanted to spin this off into another conversation. Yeah, because I, I watched this film uh, on Saturday night, and I had the evening to myself. I don't get a lot of these. It was a solo viewing. It was a solo viewing. Look, if you live with your significant other, your wife, your spouse, your husband, whoever, yeah, your your, your partner, you know how this goes. And, as, and, as, and this is not something new, especially in the pandemic, getting those precious hours to yourself Whew. is truly the best thing in the world. You need it. Every, every, well, <laughs> every human needs alone time. <laughs> yes. But, yeah. but we all need varying degrees of alone time. Right. I'll just, that's the way I'll, I'll say it. So I'm going to, I'm, I am, I, 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 it fits with my, my Myers-Briggs, my, 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 uh, my Zodiac, everything. Like I value independence almost more than anything else. Yeah. So like the, these nights are just huge for me. Oh yeah. And everybody knows that when you're watching by yourself, when you only have yourself to worry about, you also can cram in a lot more. Yeah. Oh, There's yeah. less conversation. You don't, you're Scrolling. not worried about two people eating dinner. You're on your, you're on your own. You're, mo- you're bobbing and weeping. Are we pausing because you got to take a piss or a shit? Uh, right. Yeah. Both. You can just, so I wanted to talk about, and I don't know when the last time you got one of these in, but I, this was the first time in a while for me. It's and been so, 87 <laughs> years. I wanted to break down what I decided on because this is one of, this, this it's hard. It's difficult to decide. You get one of these nights, it's been the first one in, in months, and you're like, oh my God. There's so much to choose from. Yeah. What do I choose? Do I watch an old favorite? Do I watch something new that I missed? <laughs> it, should I watch something serious? Do I want to spend my time alone by myself watching something serious? Or do I want something more lighthearted? Yeah, it's a tough decision. So I wanted to break down kind of what, what my perfect evening was and, and what I chose here. And it starts with a film. You got to get your film in early. Now, I, I chose a, a kind of a prestige flick with a meaningful message because it was high on my list and it was about to leave HBO Max. But it's it, it something like that is is perfect for one of these nights because you can chase it with whatever you want to. True enough, and no worries there either. Yeah, right. And um, and you you want you get you kind of got you get you get your meat and potatoes before you before you go on to to anything else. Sure. Now, there are other movies and other types of movies that also fit perfectly here. The weird cult classic. I was scrolling through HBO Max. Are you familiar with the Lost Boys? I am. <laughs> I am. I have. I don't think I've watched this I, all the way through. I have a bizarre fascination with with that entire period of time. It's also the period of time that probably. Um, you mean the eighties? The eighties. Yes. It's also probably the one that Hollywood would like you to ignore the most, as as all of the Epstein and QAnon conspiracies run rampant, and you know the elites are trying to kill ninety five percent of the world, and yeah. and all that other stuff. Bill because, Gates be, and Bill Gates is is killing all the kids in Africa with the polio vaccine. He yes, is. Thank you. Apparently, um, because all these kids were like 
hooked on cocaine and probably getting molested by the time they were like 13 years old. And it's really, really weird. Yeah, Keeper Sutherland, the, the Corey two Coreys, Haim, the Corey Haim and the Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman. The, with the, they had the Michael Jackson tie. It's 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 a really really strange time for film. Also, this was a like a horror comedy. It's is a what it's listed comedy. as, which is not really a thing people try. I anymore. also suggest that you just go watch the trailer for this film. The '80s loved the sound effect in movie movies where it sounded like a door was opening and then just wind was blasting through this door as fast as it possibly could. That's the noise. <laughs> it's this loud whooshing sound that takes over Whoosh. your speakers. It's in all the movies. Yeah. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Blares your, blares your speakers Blares your speakers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so this is a horror comedy about two brothers that move into a town, and the town is, uh, being, is, is running rampant with vampires led by Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, he's the lead big bad vampire. And they are sexy vampires too. Very hot young vampires. Very, they're wearing like torn up mesh tops and they have yeah. like blonde spiky mohawks and they're wearing guy liner. Yeah. And it's all very sexy and very funny. And sexy this movie, bad boys. This movie looks awful, Ross. Yeah. But I really wanted to watch it. So you just went in? No, I did not. I did not. But this was a type of movie that I would watch okay, on, a, on, a so, on a solo evening. It's a good example. The cult classic is not an easy sell to the no. significant other. That's right. It's It's the most difficult sell. So it's one that you can turn to when you've got a solo. Name. Especially when it has the two Corys who, again, like just, if you don't know Corey, the stories of Corey Hammond from Corey Feldman, it's another thing that you should go look into and read because it's, it's some weird shit. Man. I mean, they have vampire mullets. They do. All of them. And it's, it's 80s rock star hair and, and it's just a whole nother level of clothing that, that will never exist again. <laughs> um, this is, yeah, if you showed your significant other, like just the, the, the the fucking screen on Netflix or whatever that or HBO Max that showed the cover of this they would be like no <laughs> we're not watching whatever this stupid ass looking movie is this is a tough sell it is a tough sell. one to go in on so the the cult classic is a cult great classic category. is another is an is another very good one to choose um all right so after I after I watched my film and I I chose Judas and the Black Messiah as I mentioned had to lighten it up with some darkness so I went to Rick and Morty oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a weird move. <laughs> Going Judas and the Black Messiah, Rick and Morty might have overcomplicated things in your mind. It's possible. Took you down the rabbit hole even further. Especially on the night that I was springing forward. Oh, that was a mistake. Which just has all, has all everybody all messed up. Yeah. My synapses are still not firing correctly. I've, I haven't eaten today and it's 2.22. <laughs> Don't have a fucking clue. But um, yeah, man, season four is humming along. Excellent, excellent show. I've been watching it too. Uh, it's been my late night like... Uh, I'm not tired yet. She's asleep. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go watch one thing while I eat a bowl of Cheerios. Yeah. And I've been working my way through Rick and Morty and it's phenomenal. I've been working my way through what we do in the shadows still. Did, did, have you? So have you gotten through all of season four of Rick and Morty, the most recent season? Yes. So you, have you watched the Vat of Acid episode? What happens? Give me, a, give me something that I would know. Rick is making fake vats of acid with little bone doors on them where the bones float up. Nope, haven't seen this one. Okay. <laughs> okay, because there was a point uh, <laughs> where I watched the last two episodes or one, or like, I, this has happened to me on a few shows where it keeps playing and then I come back to watch it again later and it's on the wrong episode. It happened with Shit's Creek. Hmm. It happened with Tiger King because I missed the one where the dude killed himself and then I never went back to that one because that sounds <laughs> awful. Uh, again, Tiger King is a thing that happened, a real thing that happened in 2020 that we're all going to look back on 10 years from now and be like, what? Yeah. Um... But yeah. 
So this is another, but but this is it's a good example. Rick and Morty, just a great example of of the type of show that I will also squeeze in because I got some raunchy or slash weird comedies. Another one would be Big Mouth, but I'm I'm all finished with that. So that one wasn't in the queue. I need to go back there at some point. But Rick and Morty is like, you know, not interesting for the the significant other. Just oh, too yeah, too weird, too Tough deep, too, too dark, too dark. Cynical. It's very very cynical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not for everybody. And then I went to a... I've been doing South Park, too. Catching up on South Park. South Uh, Park, I can actually sell. She likes South Park. Well, Randy's just selling weed now, so it's... (laughs) I'm having a blast. Have you watched the vaccination uh, special? Uh Uh-uh, I'm not there yet. I'm I'm working my way toward it, and I'm at the point where Randy has um, become big marijuana, and and, and he made $300,000, and he can't shut the fuck up about how he made (laughs) $300,000, but essentially he's just capitalist scum. And the whole thing has gone full circle from like weed being this beautiful startup that was going to free the country to, it was, it was very well done. Um, but I haven't gotten to the full blown, not right now they're trying to, oh wait, the, the episode I watched last night, they were trying to vaccinate Cartman and he squeals <laughs> like a pig and they, and then he, he lubes himself up so that they can't actually get a hold of him. And then they get the whole town to come in and try to vaccinate him when he's asleep. And then that doesn't work because he's, he, he wakes up and escapes. South Park is chaos. Also, they just stopped doing the intro, and the intro is just Tegrity Farms now. <laughs> it's fucking unbelievable. That show is so great. Anyway, yeah, I digress. Uh, so the last thing that I watched, and this is this was a weird choice, but this is my solo solo evening, so I get to choose how I end the night. But this is not, you know, I didn't choose your fighter. I didn't go. Ch- I didn't go bonus chaser here. I didn't go something light. I went dark. I went to a show that. Um, that I had started seven years ago, nominally seven years ago. And I, I, I restarted it. I only had made it, ever made it a few episodes into the show. And um, let, me, let me just see if you're interested in a show. I'll do a hypothetical for you. Okay. Lay it out for me. There's a show. It's on a prestige network, but not named HBO. Directed and helmed by a very prolific and talented movie director. Stars a movie star. And features... The beginning of modern medicine in the earliest 20th century New York. You in for this? Yes. This is The Nick. Starring Clive Owen, directed by, directed and created by Steven Soderbergh. Yeah, this is a random one that has kind of flown under the radar. And this, this story goes like this. This was in HBO's pipeline. But Soderbergh, who is kind of a quirky dude, loves to work fast, too. Okay. He gets his ideas. He just wants to make them. He almost doesn't even care how they get out. I think Soderbergh is the guy that's filmed movies on iPhones before, right? Like he's done, he did the one that was on HBO that was like, you could watch like various endings. Very, you could take your own path through it. I can't remember what was, uh, I'll find it. What was that one called? Um, not, not Mirage, it was, but whatever that is. Uh, it's, it's slipping my mind right now. It is called uh, fucking mosaic. Is it mosaic? Let them all talk. No, that's different. Anyway, so the Nick was in the HBO pipeline, but it was kind of it was years back, right? Like if you want something to come out on HBO, you're working on it for years until it finally like makes it to the top and right. gets and gets a release date. He wanted he wanted to do this now. He wanted to get out, so they said, okay, you can go to Cinemax. And this was at a, a, a brief moment in time when Cinemax was kind of it trying was, to... It was Mosaic, Mosaic. Way, you were correct. It was trying to do some prestige stuff itself. So it had like a kind of an act, like a prestige action show called Banshee. Right. 
Uh, there was another one, and then they they did the Nick. Um, and I remember watching this when it came out because for whatever reason, via cable, I had like free Cinemax at the time. And I loved it. I loved the first few episodes. And I couldn't sell I couldn't sell Laura on it. And it fell by the wayside. The new season of Game of Thrones probably came out. Yep. And I never went back to it. I remember this trailer, man. It was really, really and intriguing. I have been waiting. I've checked over the years. Uh, HBO obviously owns Cinemax. Right. And I, but they never put the Cinemax stuff on HBO Go. Well, finally, under the big umbrella, under the big Warner HBO Max umbrella, the Cinemax stuff is on HBO Max. There we go. So we've got the Nick. And I started up with season one, episode one again. And I've not even finished I've I've not even finished a single season of the show. And I think it's one of my all-time favorite shows. Wow. The rush and the chills that I get from this first episode alone are like uh, they remind me of the first of how I felt watching the first episode of Game of Thrones, where like everything is just ticking boxes for me. You're like, ooh. It, oh, the show opens on a pair of beat to shit white leather brogue boots. Okay. They're on the feet of Clive Owen. Red light, uh, interesting tapestries on the wall. Clive Owen wakes up in the opium den and walks out into 1900 New York City. Horse and buggies on the street. You can tell it's New York, but there are no paved roads. So I love anything that has New York in it. Right. And seeing it in 1900 is, the set design is unbelievable. Just Viagra for you, yeah. It's, just, it's, it's incredible. And he's got these little tiny sunglasses that look like they were from 2020, but they're from 1900. And he gets into one of these little horse and buggy taxis, basically, and names two streets that you know. He's like, that's where we're going. We're going to the Nick at Mott and Houston or whatever. Yeah. And... The, the, they go on to perform a surgery in an operating theater when it truly was a theater where people were up there white watching. dudes sitting watching yeah. because they are they are this was the wild west they were man figuring out how they to were do figuring surgery. out how to do this shit this was a this, this was the western frontier they were learning and teaching themselves and going balls to the wall on modern medicine and it is straight up butchery dude like it is gnarly as shit but it is also fascinating. And I, it, it, this, I just cannot recommend going back and watching this show enough. Uh, I, I know from, from reviews and from talk around the show that it, it, it keeps this speed. Like it, it is well, well, well renowned. Uh, very highly thought of. Clive Owen is incredible in it. He's awesome. Um, I got to go back to this. It's got some other people you'll know. It's got uh, it, Juliet, uh, Julie, Julie, Juliet Rylance. She plays Della Street and Perry Mason. Julie. And uh, it also features Andre Holland as Dr. Algernon Edwards, who becomes the assistant uh, chief, of, chief of surgery, which he's a he's a black guy. So it brings its own whole set of the of 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 the, the racial aspect to it. Oh, so the Nick is the Knickerbocker Hospital. Yes. Oh, so uh, by the way, if you didn't know why the New York Knicks were named the Knicks. Juliet, Juliet Rylance. Anyway. Amazing show. The 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 acting and the and the direction and the set design, production design are, li- honestly, one of the best I've ever seen on a TV show. Cinemax, and it was, this was on Cinemax. Cinemax, yeah, and it only went two seasons. <laughs> well, now I have to go back and do it. But it's it's crazy. It right on I, the Nick. I believe it is also. Let me just make sure. If it's if it wasn't, it sounds. Like it was scored by Trent Reznor, who did Social Network and Watchmen, 
and he is very um it, okay it's not trent reznor but it sounds like trent reznor it's very electronic it's buzzy it's it's and then so it gives this it creates this weird juxtaposition between this old world that you're not really familiar with at all you know okay it's cliff martinez cliff by martinez the way he did is, drive is, yeah spring breakers okay it also sounds like drive so that's a great there you go yeah Really, really incredible score, though. Right on the Nick. So that was my that was my solo night. Rick and Morty, <laughs> Judas and the Black Messiah, and the Nick. I went dark. Really didn't give yourself any breathing room. No, I did not. <clears throat> Interesting move. Can I tell you the darkest thing I've watched recently? Yes. I finished Alan versus Pharaoh. Uh. Alan v. Pharaoh on <laughs> HBO Max. I would, I would, I would argue this is also required viewing. If you are an American. It is, it is important because it will show you why things got so confusing. Um, it, it paints perfectly the picture of how we got into the situation we are in. The situation we are in is that a mother um, who has been telling the world that her child was molested by Woody Allen, the renowned film director, uh, has been told she is crazy and wrong. And the, the victim of this molestation even more so has had her life essentially ripped apart by this act. And, uh, the, the picture that's painted is one of the Hollywood's ability to control a narrative and Hollywood's ability to put out a message that smothered everything else. Pre-internet, pre-social media. You didn't have a chance. If Woody Allen was out doing 30 pressers, calling you a lunatic, denying these charges out front, you were screwed. There was nothing you could do. It took the perfect storm of Ronan Farrow being the son of Woody Allen and Mia Farrow, breaking the Harvey Weinstein story and becoming a renowned journalist to get into a position to where he would do business with HBO Max so that they could even get this documentary to see the light of day. It took one of her own children breaking through to a level that he had direct access. Otherwise, we never see this movie because Woody Allen is one of the most connected, well-respected men in the history of cinema. Internationally, he is still crushing, pulling in millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars off of movies that for the most part won't even be released in America. Every film he's ever done paints the same picture. A man desperately trying to get the rest of us to be cool with an old dude being with a young chick. Yep. <laughs> he had an angle of, he was the quirky weird little dude he wasn't athletic he wasn't handsome classically handsome he wasn't the cool guy but he was the best so he gave every quirky not classically handsome dude and chick and artsy people a god to worship and they refused to admit that this god was a lie and it's the same shit that happened with michael jackson bill cosby the list goes on and on and on except woody allen is one of the most blatant examples of just, I don't care how you want to classify what happened. It's wrong. That's the end classification. The molestation period, obviously wrong. Even if you choose to deny that, which in my opinion, if you watch this entire documentary, is an undeniable fact. Even if you choose to deny that, he married the woman's young daughter <laughs> after she discovered pornographic Polaroids that Woody had taken of her as a, as, an, as a minor. Woody Allen 
is a predator by every definition of the word. And the fact that he's been allowed to operate and given full... Barrett, they go into the fucking Golden Globes from like a few years back, not long ago, where they do every A-lister on stage giving a minute on what Woody Allen means to them and like presenting him with the Lifetime Achievement Award. Man. It is fucking insane because it's not... Mia Farrow is crazy. She's the most normal person I've ever seen interviewed who has seven <laughs> adopted children and has had at least one of them sexually molested by a man that she trusted with her children. It is one of the most fucked up things I've ever seen. By the end of it, it's undeniable. And But here's the, the important reason I call it required viewing is for the same reason that Judas and the Black Messiah is required viewing. There are angles to this shit that everyday American citizens like me did not understand. I didn't understand how these men were able to tamper these accusations, how they were able to achieve tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands in some cases of defenders. People defend Woody Allen every day. I've tweeted maybe three things about this documentary. Every one of those tweets has received at least 50 responses from people calling me uh, a Woody really? Allen accuser and uh, being incorrect, defending Woody Allen. It is a culture, a cultural issue. Yeah. And a yeah. refusal to accept truths about people that we have built up yeah. to positions of power yeah. that are completely fabricated. These are just human beings just like us. And, and some of them are really fucked up and sick just like us. And some of them need to be removed from society. In the case of Woody Allen, I don't know how the fuck he's walking around free. It's crazy to me. It's crazy to me. It's crazy. It's, uh, and Barrett, you know why another reason I think it's perfect that this thing came out when it did? All this bullshit with QAnon believing that Hollywood is a pedophilic cabal that feeds children to yep. A-listers. Right. Obviously that is fake. This is the kind of shit that gave room for that rumor to grow. People watched Woody Allen getting away with this and went, this doesn't make sense. There has to be a reason. And the, the web was spun. You weave that in with all the other shit that's happened in Hollywood, the Harvey Weinsteins, the Cosbys. It, these people don't sound so fucking crazy anymore. They've just been misled by the internet. But this dude, Woody Allen, and the impact he had, not only on that whole image, but also on, on literally the way that child custody cases are carried out in America, it is horrendous. And the way the documentary plays it out for you, it is undeniable. And it's fucking crazy. You got to watch it. Yeah. Uh, th there's no... <clears throat> you, you saying that it is, is a great point. Like, it's pretty clear why the the rumors are and and the, the conspiracy theories are able to exist because hollywood by its very nature is an exploitative industry yes right the way like, it's been set up historically absolutely well and it just it just is there are agents and managers and 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 the people at the helm of the studios like th they need the talent right and the talent therefore gets used for the greater gain people get right? get special treatment and and look the other way for certain people because of certain talents that they have or skills that they bring yeah. to the table and, then and there, yeah. there, there's j just like in sports there is benefit for the players who are the the talent right and in this case as well and they have opportunities to to kind of honestly in hollywood more so than in 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 sports probably to kind of like flip flip it and jump up to the higher level right you become a big star you get your you can open your own production company then you're at the top you know siphoning off uh, all your cut from producing and executive producing and distributing and selling at the, the 
blah 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 blah. Yeah. But it is, uh, but it's just by its nature, it is, it's, it's, we're using talent. And there are many, many powerful people, and a lot of people well, want to do this. It's and the, therefore it is system, right for people to get abused and taken advantage of. Well, there's a system so it does, that it, like, encourages you to go along with it. If you enter at the actor level, and the end game is to be Brad Pitt with your own production studio, yeah. you have to grease as many wheels as you can along the way. So yeah. that's why so many people in Hollywood were willing to turn a blind eye to shit like this. It's like, Woody Allen's a what now? Nope, I'm not fucking up my career. Yeah. Eyes dead ahead. And that that is the way some of this shit was handled. And I, it's like a like a money over morals scenario. People were picking money and power and success over yep. what was right, but in mass numbers, which yep. is the thing about Hollywood that's concerning and leads to all the stupid conspiracy theories that have dragged people down into the depths of hell on the internet. <laughs> which is why this is important to watch because it shows you just how damaging this was. Not... Only to a little girl whose life she's still trying to put back together. Yeah. But to literally millions of parents who have to deal with child custody cases that Woody Allen permanently changed the way they function in this country. Uh, you have to watch the documentary. You get a full explanation on that part. I'm not good enough with the law side of it to do that. And then just the full guise of the way he was able to sort of... It was He was just another powerful, rich, white dude who wanted to see what to get away with as much as he could and there's too many of them over there on the west coast there was too many in the same place yeah <laughs> gotta get him out um he is out of course now at this point i think i don't think i don't think woody can show his face again man that was it that was it that was the nail in the coffin for anybody who was hoping woody allen might be innocent and come back and have a full-fledged career again it's over they're probably gonna stop talking about Woody Allen's courses or his uh, movies so much in college courses in the next several years, if I had to guess. Yeah. And that's uh, probably a good idea. This is a big <laughs> fix, a big fix. It is. It's a big fix for the country to get this dude aired out the way that he has been by HBO. And I'm going to, I'm just Ronan Farrow deserves a lot of credit, man. A lot of credit for the change he has instigated in a very short period of time. Yeah. Pretty fucking wild. Yeah. And that's the last thing I had to talk about today. Uh, but you got to watch Allen versus Farrow on HBO Max. Barrett, any other closing part? Uh, yes. Um, I just wanted to come back to the Grammys real quick because it oh, was a please it do. was a big night for H Town. down. Houston was the real winner here, Barrett. Houston was the real winner. Um, Beyonce obviously broke some Grammys records. One of the most decorated uh, gra Grammy artists of all time. And as we were talking about just off mic pre pod. Probably should have like eight more, eight to ten more Grammys than she does. She's actually never won the award that they give at the end of the night, which is record of the year, I believe. Yes, record so. record of the year. Yeah. She's never won it. Uh, producer Maya, uh, producer Mariah, told us at the beginning that the last black woman to win was 1994. In fact, it was Whitney, Whitney Houston. Houston. Whitney Houston. Uh, so quite a really a, 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 a travesty that that Beyonce has never won that award. And then, as Billie Eilish herself said. Felt like that award was going to go to Megan The Stallion, who was winning all the other awards. Um, Had all the momentum. Now, you, I don't think you watched all the Grammys, did you? No, the only thing I watched was the WAP performance on YouTube. Okay, incredible, over and over, incredible performance. And over um, by the way, just unbelievable that it aired on CBS as well. My mouth, my, my jaw was on the floor for the entire like six minutes. Yeah, because I can't stop picturing and, all the old heads yeah, watching right, it and, yes. and bitching and, and moaning just, and that gives me great joy. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like SNL, you know, gif of uh, head exploding, right? Like, yeah. um, <laughs> I cannot 
it gave me great pleasure to imagine all of the people who were I mean, I was scandalized, so I can't even imagine what, like all the all the 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 Karens out there clutching the clutching oh, the pearls. They were losing their fucking minds, dude. I'm pretty Tucker. This is going to give Tucker Carlson like enough content for the next two weeks, probably. Tucker just got the biggest <laughs> gift that that he could have been given, man. Yeah. Um, but it was, uh, and and to that end, all of the performances were really really good this year because they did not because they weren't in the Staples Center because they were not all in the same say same stage. Everybody kind of got their own little corner of like a ballroom or a stage or, or, or whatever it was. And so everybody had like very specific sets. Uh, Billie Eilish's set was really, really cool. Had like this incredible kind of like half buried car involved. Um, and uh, uh, Killer Mike and Lil Baby were like out in the street outside of Staples Center to okay, do their performance with like a bunch of pyrotechnics and fire and, and all sorts of dope stuff. And, uh, and so the performances were just like kind of reached a new level and they were still live performances, right? You could still tell that most of these people were actually like up there singing. Dua Lipa had, uh, awesome performances. I saw Dua Lipa. Um, uh, Harry Styles. A lot kicked, of outfits. A lot of outfits. Harry Styles kicked off the night with a, just a really like, you know, kind of n- nothing crazy set wise, but just a really killer performance. Um, he sounded great. Oh, the only other thing I saw other than WAP? was I watched the clip of Bill Burr presenting Best Tropical Latin Album, <laughs> which I know someone picked him to be funny, but then him actually doing the bit of why the fuck is a cis white male presenting this uh-huh. award was incredible. And then the backlash of people not understanding that he was actually saying what they're saying was that this was wildly inappropriate and stupid and it shouldn't be him up there at all. <laughs> that was the joke, but he's getting you know, roasted by Twitter or whatever for being insensitive. He wasn't insensitive. Yeah. Cla- I mean, it, people it, seem to not understand how if, comedy works. Well, sometimes. if that didn't ha- if Bill, if that was not the reaction to Bill Burr, I think Bill Burr himself would tell you that he was he had failed. It's all, like feel like that's the goal with Bill Burr. And frankly, if you put Bill Burr up there to present best tropical Latin <laughs> album and you don't expect him to rip you for doing so, then you you are not you don't understand what's going on at all. Um, so I wanted to to just give credit to the performances because, to, you know, what what we lacked in like audience and kind of live entertainment, uh, I thought they really made up for with 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 next level performances. Last thing I'll say, I mentioned H-Town. Houston had a big night. Megan Thee Stallion, Beyonce. One of the people that Megan Thee Stallion continued to thank uh, as she received all of these awards was T. Ferris. Holy shit. Yes. Who... I, Old school no, Squisha House nobody, under, no, nobody is going to understand this reference outside of like twelve of our listeners. Right. This is a this is but a niche one. If you grew up in the early two thousands and were listening to Swisha House and Mike Jones and Paul Wall in Houston, Low Kiki, then you like, heard this man's name and, over and then over. You heard and over. this T Ferris shouted out in one out of every five songs, especially Mike Jones. He loved talking about T Ferris. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So so it was, she was shouting out T Ferris. Yeah. Who I think is her manager or something. Man, T. Ferris caught a come up. <laughs> Good for T. He's been out there hustling. Yeah. Uh, Again, making Houston proud. So I was saying this, that like low key though, Houston is one of like the hotbeds of music talent in the world and doesn't really get credit for that. Think about it. Beyonce, Travis Scott, Megan Thee Stallion. I mean, the list is real. DJ Screw being one of the more, uh, the largest, most respected legends in hip hop culture nation worldwide at this point. Um, I mean... If you count guys like Bun B and Pimp C and UGK and the influence that they had on guys like Jay Z and the game, the game, Houston has been 
we've done good. Well, I think what I mean, I think what's interesting is 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 how we thought that we were in the golden age of Houston, Houston hip hop growing up with Lil Flip and Mike Jones, like yeah, we thought that was they the they, they got vi- they would get videos on like 106 and Park, and we'd be like, we made it, we did it, we did it, we did it. Now Travis Scott's doing Fortnite and, now, and yes, and now like and, and Megan and, the Stallion, really no, Travis Scott and Megan the Stallion are, I mean, by multiple exponents like bigger stars than those guys ever were ever not even, even came close. close to being yeah right so it's so it's uh it's been crazy to see yeah yeah so just uh shouts to uh shouts to houston and h time holding H-Town. it down yeah 713 and the 281 and the 832 and the do we have any more now probably, sure we probably. i'm sure there's like six now gotta be more gotta be more <laughs> anyway that's it for today's show thank y'all so much for being here with us uh we're gonna be listening i'm sorry we're gonna be watching the Sopranos season two, episode three on Wednesday night. Barrett, hey, I got a be. question for you. Mm-hmm. Are you now sucked in enough to the MCU that are, are we, are we, are we watching, um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Friday? Don't I need to be like, I need to read into this and see how much information I'm supposed to have going in. Th- this one, I can tell you because I've watched the, m- the most recent two Avengers films. Yeah, you probably should, probably should try to get I mean, caught up. At least the big two. I need that information before I can watch this one. It feels yeah. like. Well, at your current, but I'll get there eventually. Current rate, I'll get there very quickly. Yeah, you're, it sounds like you're going to get there pretty quickly. It's so. my, it's my only like when the clock shuts off right now and I'm off the clock, mm-hmm. my mind goes straight to which Marvel movie yeah. and how do I solo fit it evening in. for you right now would just be five Marvel movies. Yeah, because <laughs> I need to catch the fuck up. Like she has seen them all. Um, but we'll be watching The Sopranos season two episode three. And doing our podcast, which will drop Thursday as it does every week on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles, ad free, multiple tiers on our Patreon for you to pick from and ride with us throughout the duration of The Sopranos. We have done all of season one, all 13 of the season one podcast, companion podcasts are friendly to both first timers and repeat viewers, spoiler free discussion that uh, Barrett and I had a blast with. They're all available on Patreon right now. You can go listen to the whole of season one coverage if you wanted to. Um, and we're working our way through season two. Episode three comes out this week. Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles to watch The Sopranos with us. I am telling you, if you enjoyed Game of Thrones with us, you will love this. We're having a great, great time. And the cord is strong. We'll be back uh, next week right here on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and YouTube. What do I say to end this show until our next helping? Um... Adi- adios muchachos. Until our next helping, adios muchachos. Goodbye, friends. Goodbye, friends. Goodbye, friends.